The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This is Goodnight Maryland Radio with your host, Nina Bosky. It's been more than 50 years since the tragic death of one of Hollywood's biggest stars at the time and in history, Marilyn Monroe. Nina seeks to uncover the life and death of this legendary star as it coincides with the pre-production of the feature film, Goodnight Marilyn. You'll get a chance to question, explore, and discover the secrets surrounding what really happened that fateful night back in 1962. Let's start the conversation. Here is the host of Goodnight Marilyn Radio, Nina Bosky. Peter was used by Joe Kennedy to help John Kennedy become president. Frank Sinatra used Peter to help Frank Sinatra be a part of the presidency. Marilyn Monroe used Peter to keep the relationship with John Kennedy and Bobby Kennedy, and everybody used Peter to the point where he finally got used up. Hi, everyone. I'm Nina Bosky for Goodnight Maryland Radio, and welcome to the show as we explore the investigation, the life, and the movie all surrounding Marilyn Monroe. That was the late Jay Bernstein, the flamboyant Hollywood personal manager, best known as the star maker who has launched Farrah Fawcett, Suzanne Summers to fame in the 1970s. Rolling Stone magazine once said that Bernstein is famous for making people famous. New York Daily News says he was the most successful star maker. As a publicist in the 1960s and 70s, his many clients included Sammy Davis Jr., Frank Sinatra, Jane Mansfield, Debbie Reynolds, Sally Field, William Holden, Andy Griffith, Diana Ross, Angie Dickinson, Michael Jackson, Brooke Shields, Drew Mary, Barrymore, Burt Lancaster, and that's just to name a few. I'm bringing him up today and getting his take on some things because he was the star maker. He was also a publicist at the time. He started uh, back at the William Morris Agency, like all people do, in the mailroom. And then he moved into uh, PR at Rogers & Cowan, the very famous PR agency here in Los Angeles. And it was started back in 1950 and now is a worldwide global entity. So since last week we were talking about Pat Newcomb and we'll recap uh, in this week's show, uh, who was also a press agent uh, in the 1960s. And since their clients are all interrelated, I find his comments at least very interesting in his take. He seems very confident. You'll hear him throughout the the, uh, hour. And he says so without hesitation. So does he know something we don't? Or is he just going off pure speculation? Well, we may never know because he died too back in 2006. So as Goodnight Maryland fans, you know we are growing each and every day. And it is because of you in this story that we're shedding some great light on this mystery that has been haunting us for 53 years. You know we are in season two, Maryland's last day. 
You know, so many people are surrounding Marilyn's last day, and they all seem connected, but how? Well, today's highlight, which is Peter Lawford and some of Frank Sinatra, will be very, very uh, interesting, to say the least, as we uh, open up the lines and start talking about these people that are connected to Marilyn, because it seems that Peter Lawford, more than anybody, seems to be front and center in a lot of our relationships as it relates to Marilyn, at least the, the last days of her life. So we have some shout-outs today. Lola in Stockholm, Sweden. Claudia in Lombardia, Italy. Simon, and I hope I'm saying this, in Bhutan, Philippines. Jack from Beijing, China. David from San Bernardino, California. Mary from, or Mar- Mari from Edinburgh, UK. Nikki from Jackson, Michigan. Craig from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Anna from Vancouver, British Columbia, and Lynn from Minneapolis, Minnesota. And if you'd like uh, some, some, I've been messaged on Facebook, how can I get a shout out? Just email us at MarilynLiveTalk at gmail.com and we'll be happy to do a shout out for you. We have an exciting show this week as we get into the man that maybe knew what happened to Marilyn. I'm not going to say he knew exactly because we don't know if he did or he didn't at this point. Um, But Peter Lawford is front and center as we explore who this man was and more importantly, what was his relationship to Marilyn? Also, we'll explore the Rat Pack uh, with Frank Sinatra and find out more about the relationship they all had in which, uh, you know, Frank Sinatra, you all know this, uh, he gave... uh, uh, Marilyn, her her doggy, uh, which was Moth, and uh, you know we have that that sad footage the next day when you see Moth being carried out of the house, and it's uh, you know it's sad, but uh, Frank Sinatra did give her uh, that doggy, and we do have a question from one of our listeners about that for the panel. But first, some announcements. I am very excited to announce that we will be partnering with OWN Television Network for a new TV series coming out later this fall. It's called Belief. And uh, early next uh, month, I'll have some details and I can share with you about this exciting new series from from Oprah. And for people like myself, we'll be partnering on this project. It should be very exciting. Also, we have some some great announcements. Uh, Our next step audition for Maryland Casting is scheduled for next Tuesday with our casting director. And I just want to say thank you so much, Maryland actresses who are auditioning, auditioning for this role. You know, I know many of you have been working hard, and it is not an easy role to play Marilyn. It's a complex character, so I just want all of you guys to give yourself credit for attempting to play her. She's certainly not one-dimensional. Before we get started, I also have to say thank you to the Voice America Radio Networks, Randall Libero, our executive producer, Mike Surgit, our engineer, and Jennifer, our social media person. So, We have some questions and comments from our listeners, and they're wanting to know. But first, before we do that, I'd like to connect with this week's panel. Joining us is licensed mental health counselor and best-selling author, Gary Vitaka Robles, icon, the lifetimes and films of Marilyn Monroe, volumes one and two. Highly suggest... I think we all do it. If you want to know, he's like our go-to person. If you want to know something, you go to Gary, right? And we also have Immortal Maryland's Mary Jane Gray, who is filled with information and is certainly filled with research and facts. Welcome, panel, to the show. Thank you, Nina. Good to be back. 
Glad to have you both here. Uh, Leslie is out this week. She's on vacation. And we also have April, who is uh, also a very big fan of Marilyn. Uh, does a lot of research as well, and she's been investigating a lot of things, especially when we were talking about the washer and dryer and the appliances and stuff. And I always, uh, from time to time, I'll go on to the Immortal Maryland's uh, Facebook page, and it's always interesting to see, you know, how people will back up the research. And April, you're on the phone with us as well, right? Yes, I am. Hi, Nina. Hi. Glad to have you here. Um, Thank you. Know, you. you yeah, no, it's it's nice. You had some some questions and also, you know, you've also done some research. I found it very interesting, you know, that we can possibly find this out a little bit more specifically. And as you know, you know, a lot of what we talk about in some ways is speculation until we can back it up and know for sure what we're talking about. But, you know, last week we had uh, somebody, I think it was Tara that had uh, had done a, a post about Joe DiMaggio and, you know, uh, you know, didn't shake hands with Bobby Kennedy and how true that was. And then all of a sudden you were, everybody was finding this specifically you some research about Joe DiMaggio quits job to be near star during her last days. What exactly did you find in regards to uh, the newspaper clippings? Um, it's actually from, um, it's from a newspaper called the Times Daily and it was run on August 13th, 1962. And it comes from, a man named Monette, who was in Smithfield, Virginia. He was Joe DiMaggio's boss. And he says that Joe quit his 100000 a year job. Of course, that's you know, $1,962, so that would be roughly like $800,000 a year, to be near Maryland. And um, his opinion on Joe was that he was actually still in love with Marilyn and he wanted to be close to her. But if you go through these old articles, you won't see anything about Joe and Marilyn getting remarried. Um, I know that's a really common thing that's thrown out there in the Marilyn community, but sadly, sources from the 60s actually don't support that idea at all. It's more so that they that Joe was still in love with Marilyn, but nothing about remarriage. And um, actually, while we're on the subject of Joe, it's a little off, but I actually found where he did agree to talk to Ed Wilson a little bit about Marilyn. And Joe's opinion on Marilyn's death is that he believed it was accidental. Wow. And that was in, that is actually in Wilson's book, and uh, Wilson has two books, but this is the 1974 book, which is called Show Business Late Bear. Okay, and who is Ed Wilson, just so for, for people that don't know who Ed Wilson um, is? Ed Wilson was a columnist, a gossip columnist, uh, like Luella Parsons, Petta Hopper, uh, Walter Winchell. There's a whole list of columnists, and he was one of them. He had a nationally syndicated ad. Yeah, you know, I, I, I think the thing is that we can, uh, you know, and, and, and I think in the article, it said also that they had vacation together, that they spent time together. So, you know, but spending time with your ex, you know, if you're not completely done with them, and if especially if, if he was still in love with her, doesn't necessarily mean the two of them were for sure getting married. Um, We, we certainly can't find any information that that really backs that up, with the exception of people saying that that's that's what they were doing. That's what I hear you saying, right, April? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so is there any, you know, the other thing um, that you There's go also ahead. points in the article, too, that go on about Eunice Murray and Pat Newcomb. Um, it's 
just said that Eunice has left her apartment and um, there's and she didn't give a forwarding address, so nothing really on Eunice. But there's an interesting tidbit that Pat Newcomb has left the Arthur Jacobs agency. And a trade paper said she was fired. Arthur Jacobs just said that she was no longer with them. And then it goes on to say that Patricia went with the Lawfords and the Kennedys to Hyannisport, Massachusetts, which is where the Kennedys had, like, a vacation home. And there's a picture that commonly is circulated around that says the picture of Pat on a sailboat with the Kennedys and the Lawfords, and people say, oh, look, you know, she was partying just a few days after Marilyn's funeral, blah, blah, blah. I actually looked into the picture, and the person who dates it and says it was August 12, 1962, is Robert Flatzer. If you look at Kennedy files from that time period, you'll see that the Kennedys actually had a life photographer with them that weekend, and... We do know that Pat was there, but she's in none of the life photographs, so there's nothing to really support the idea that a picture of her smiling and looking jovial was actually from the 12th. All right. Well, that's that's an interesting tidbit, and I think last week we also talked about, and I think it's really important that if you take a snapshot of somebody laughing and you don't know the context of it, you know, it, 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 to say that she was laughing um, about it is is really, um, not only is it dis- disrespectful, but it's not intelligent. And I don't mean to be judgmental about it, but you can't take something, you know, we're, we, we get in fine lines here because we're all speculating in a lot of ways, right? And it's easy to put our opinions as facts. But I think in something like that, when you have somebody smiling in a photo and you don't know what the source is and you don't know what the context of the laughing was, you know, it, I'll just give you a little tidbit. It could have been something, let's just say it was about Marilyn's dog, Moff, and how funny and lively he was and how much Marilyn loved him. And that was the smile and that was the shot that somebody took. You don't know what the context is. And so um, I just want to say thank you for, you know, giving us a little tidbit because I think that um, especially with these articles that are 30, 40, 50 years old, um, I think that that gives you an interesting perspective because all of the recirculation hadn't happened yet. So um, I just want to say thank you for your, your good work and, uh, you know, finding facts because we certainly need them in this world of speculation as we, you know, do the conversation. So thank you so much, April, for calling in the show today. Thank you for having me, Nina. All right. You take care. And panel, thank you. Thank you. And panel, do you have any comments in regards to what uh, April is saying, especially about Joe DiMaggio and also that photo? I think we've talked a lot about that photo, but just in case you want to recap on that and also talk a little bit about what we were talking about last week, which was centered around Pat Newcomb. Uh, Gary, do you want to start? Yeah, well, you know, I really believe that Pat Newcomb was, was devastated by, by Marilyn's passing and um, the, the photograph that, that April did such a good job researching and, and trying to source, you know, could, could have been uh, taken all the way up to 1963. We know that she had a relationship with um, the Kennedys. Her father did business with the father of Ethel Skakel Kennedy. Um, she had been introduced to Robert Kennedy. She walked in political search circles with Pierre Salinger. So that is not all that unusual. And, you know, any speculation about, you know, Eunice Murray closing up her apartment after Marilyn's death, we can document through Sherry Redman, 
Maryland secretary and through Pat Newcomb that, that uh, Eunice Murray was intending uh, to go on an extended trip to Europe uh, by mid-August. So that was in place, and there was a lot of uh, memos that went back and forth about preparing for Eunice Murray's departure. And Patricia Newcomb has gone on record saying that that was her last conversation with Mrs. Murray at Maryland's house related to Mrs. Murray's planned trip abroad. So that really doesn't shed any light on nefarious um, behaviors as much as relationships and plans that were already in place. Yeah, perfect. And how about you, Mary Jane? Um, I think in regards to what April said about uh, Joe DiMaggio um, mm-hmm. and and that there really is no actual evidence for remarriage, um, I think a lot of that comes about because people want it to be true so badly. Um, they look at the way Joe conducted himself uh, in her final years and at her funeral, and they just want it to be this this great sweeping romance. So uh, people really, really want that one to be true, but there's there's nothing other than an anecdote in Anthony Summers' book in 1983 to back it up. So unfortunately, it's not really true. And and just a quick uh, question to you, Mary Jane, and also for you, Gary, too. Uh, but it, do you guys, Ashley emailed us, and she says she has a book called The Marilyn Monroe Treasures, and she was wondering if you've heard of the book and what your thoughts are on it. Oh, yeah, I, uh, I've read that book, and um, I think it's lovely. I think it's really well done. I remember uh, when I read it, I was very impressed that the text was accurate, and the documents in it are copies of genuine documents that are held by collectors. So it's a really fascinating glimpse into Marilyn's kind of private life. Interesting. All right. I can't believe we're already have to take a quick break. When we get back, we will start the conversation about Peter Lawford. Who was he? What was his relationship to Marilyn? As we continue the conversation with Gary Vitaco Robles and Mary Jane Gray, we'll be back right after this. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. News. 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 Opinion. 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 Opinion
Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. listening to Goodnight Marilyn Radio. Help us explore the mystery that is and was Marilyn Monroe. Call into our program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to MarilynLiveTalk at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. I think that Peter Lawford was the man who knew too much. I think Peter Lawford knew who killed John Kennedy. I think Peter Lawford knew why Bobby Kennedy went after the mob. Peter Lawford knew who killed Marilyn Monroe. Peter Lawford knew everything, and eventually what he knew ended up killing him. All right. Well, that again is Jay Bernstein. We'll get into the conversation about Peter Lawford in just a moment. But uh, just as a as a recap uh, from last segment, uh, Gary, you had a little tidbit for us in regards to Marilyn and Joe uh, and their vacationing together. Yes, you know there, there was such fascination about them possibly uh, getting back together all throughout 1961. And the vacation that was discussed earlier was their trip to North Reddington Beach, uh, just north of St. Petersburg here in Florida, probably about 45 minutes from my home. They um, came here after Maryland's discharge from the psychiatric hospital, and this would have been the last week in March of 1961. And the entire um, Suncoast community was just completely fascinated by that visit. And I can tell you, even 20 years after, after when I was in college, the local community was still buzzing about it. It, it was a beautiful resort, and many local people um, were members of the um, country club, the bath club that went along with it. And, and there was lots of eyewitnesses to their visit and home movies and, and photographs. And um, they eventually tore down the establishment and built uh, condos because it was beautiful beachfront. And, of course, Marilyn and Joe were featured in the marketing of the condominiums, but that's her, her tie to the Tampa Bay area. Interesting. I, you know, I find it very fascinating because, you know, even today, you know, with the tabloids, I mean, they're much more magnified, but, you know, where you, you know, they'll put it out there that uh, one star is, you know, remarrying or divorcing or whatever, one star. And, you know, we don't really know what's true, what's fact and what's fiction. So I think that if we can get as much fact around that as possible, and right now, all we know is that for sure they, you know, Marilyn had a deep connection to Joe and Joe had a deep love for Marilyn. And there is no evidence, actual fact right now that we can obtain that they were actually getting married. So if anybody does have that fact out there, does have the fact, not hearsay, not somebody told me, et cetera, but you do have fact, please send it to us at MarilynLiveTalk.com. Send us an email and let us know. So with that, uh, let's also, we have one question. Mary Jane, I'll, I'll direct this one to you. It's from Deba who wants to know what happened to uh, Marilyn's little doggy Moth after she passed. Uh, Moth was actually adopted by Frank Sinatra's secretary, Gloria Lovell, 
and he lived with her for 12 years after Marilyn's death, and Moff passed away in August of 1974. Um, the story was apparently that he was unfortunately hit by a car, but uh, he did have 12 more years where he was loved and cared for. Aw, that's And he that's wrote a, a book. <laughs> yeah, he wrote Moff a book, book in 2011, <laughs> The Life and Opinions of Moff the Dog and of his <laughs> friend Marilyn Monroe, which was, I guess, ghostwritten by Andrew O'Hagan. And that's a delightful book. It's very Aww. cute, yes. Oh mm-hmm. well, you know what? You know everybody. Everybody, uh, just about everybody's written a book about Marilyn. And uh, hey, why not the dog moth? You know. <laughs> so with that, let's get started. Perhaps he never was the actor he could have been. None of his many films and performances will be considered classic, according to People Magazine. But with his suave good looks, his quick wit almost careless British charm, Peter Lawford always seemed to be more interested in just having fun. For years, he reigned among Hollywood's elite, a pivot around legends resolved. He was the first to kiss Elizabeth Taylor passionately on camera, the last to speak to Marilyn Monroe, or so the story goes. For a week, for a time, he was the husband of Patricia Kennedy and brother-in-law of the president, the link between America's political and showbiz power centers, equally comfortable in the social swirl of the Kennedy clan in Palm Beach or the Sinatra clique in Palm Springs. But when the Camelot era ended with Ke- Kennedy's assassination, Lawford went into a personal tailspin. His marriage to Patricia Kennedy ended in divorce, as did his next trip to the altar. Another marriage was annulled. His career gradually dwindled into insignificance. And in his twilight years, he became increasingly reclusive and he drank heavenly, heavenly, heavily, and he was not as coherent. The man who always wanted to be liked barely had any friends left to help him, with the exception of Elizabeth Taylor, who at times tried to get him bit parts in her movies. Not a great ending to a guy that actually had a, a pretty rough start, but that middle era, there's probably a lot of people who would want to be him. Uh, I'll start with you, Gary. Who was Peter Lawford in the early years? Well, he was um, contracted through MGM, and um, he was extremely attractive. He was British. He had uh, a wonderful British uh, accent. He did so many of the Technicolor films that are well-known to MGM and starred with um, Judy Garland and Elizabeth Taylor. And this is all you know, just a little bit prior to uh, the ascent of Marilyn's career, and she was, of course, over at Fox. But when he married um, Patricia Kennedy, he was perceived as, as perhaps a gold digger. Um, and, you know, over the years, because he plays a significant role in, in Marilyn's last day, um, somehow it's kind of blown out of proportion that they had an ongoing friendship or relationship that dates back early in Marilyn's career. But I don't really find any significant connection until probably the last 12 months of her life when she was spending more time in um, Los Angeles. 
Okay. So, you know, we have to put this in perspective that Marilyn lived in New York uh, from late 54 until the late summer of 61, and she was involved in her marriage to Arthur Miller, and really her support system was the New York uh, East Coast literati and not really um, people who were in front of the cameras in the film industry. Um, so Marilyn kind of made this migration back to Los Angeles very late, in 1961, and um, primarily just because her film career uh, beckoned her there. So this is where she really becomes uh, in contact with him, most likely through uh, Sinatra. There's some talk that maybe um, Lawford and Marilyn went on one very unsuccessful date in the early 50s, um, but there's really no connection. There's some mention of a Peter and a Jack in her diary, in, in the mid-50s, where she's speculating that Peter is gay. And I've seen, um, you know, authors try to connect that to Peter Lawford. And um, my take on that is it's probably Peter Leonardo, who was her assistant in New York and, a, and a, a hairdresser. And the Jack that she's mentioning is likely Jack Cole, who was an openly gay choreographer very close to Marilyn. So, you know, he doesn't, Lawford doesn't really um, emerge until 61, and it seems like the primary relationship was between Patricia uh, Kennedy Lawford and Marilyn. Um, Patricia was a mother with young children, and um, Christopher Lawford, their son, wrote a book uh, probably about 10 years ago, and he, you know, talks about the very close relationship that, that Marilyn had with, with the mother, that Marilyn was very emotional, his mother was colder, but Marilyn brought out like a nurturing and a softness in, in his mother. Rupert Allen goes on record to say Marilyn never really completely liked Lawford or trusted him. Interesting. So there's also speculation that, uh, and I don't know if it's speculation, but it's it's written in one of the books, the Peter Lawford books, and I can't remember if it was James Spader or another book that uh, uh, from uh, from uh, one of the biographies that talks about the early years of how Marilyn and Peter Peter came over to Marilyn's house and wasn't supposedly uh, you know impressed in regards to um, you know how she kept her house up, right? And I guess he was a little bit of a neat freak. So we don't know, um, and I want to ask you this question, Mary Jane, Lisa from North Hollywood is asking, did Peter Lawford and Marilyn Monroe ever date? That we've gotten that that question twice so far this hour. Okay, well, uh, in answer to that, we have the answer direct from Marilyn herself. Uh, In an interview (laughs) in November 1952, she said, since I have become known, I've been connected romantically with a few male stars via press agents for restaurants. I have been reported as being seen here and there with Peter Lawford. As a matter of fact, I never have had a date with Peter. We were at the same table at a nightclub, one of my few appearances at a nightclub, I don't care for them, and I may have danced with him, but that hardly constitutes a date and certainly not a romance. Well, that about so, sums it up right there. I'll, from I'll the, take Marilyn's word on that. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Well, and especially with, you know, people after after the fact, you know, saying that they have been with Marilyn, etc. I, I certainly think that and it didn't have really ind- any indication. And I think that Marilyn being very respectful of people's wives, um, especially if he, if she did indeed have the connection with Patricia uh, uh, Kennedy Lawford, um, you know, she would never want to jeopardize that, uh, you know, based on what we know of her. So I think that's an important, important element. But let's go back in time. 
time in terms of Peter Lawford? Because I know even with myself and reading about him, you know, we will get to the end of his life, but the beginning of his of his life was not easy breezy. Uh, who wants to take on the cha- on the on the challenge of talking about Peter Lawford in his beginning years, especially with his mother May? Gary. Oh. Um... I'm not so sure how much I know about his early years. Um, I know a little bit, and it's, it's you know his his challenge with his mother. Um, you know she was overbearing of what we hear. Um, she left him from time. You know from uh, from from for a lot of days. You know Mary Jane. I don't know if you know a lot about his early years as well, but some of the things that I read about him. Um, you know he had a severe accident in terms of his uh, one of his arms, and she left him in the hospital and didn't really even come to visit him until like you know he took him home. And so you know there was a lot of being left with the nannies. Um, she was certainly overbearing. There is a, a story about um, uh, Louis B. Mayer uh, and and her coming to you know the studio and actually uh, trying to spread rumors about Peter because she was mad at him. So I just wanted to see you know if any of you knew any of the the, the beginning histories of him because I think that says a lot in terms of growing up. Well, she sounds certainly narcissistic in the description. <laughs> and, um, you know, there have been many books written about him over the years. I don't know how much of it is true, but, you know, there's lots of speculations about his sexuality and about some, you know, uh, some unhealthy types of uh, relationships, bonds, bonds that he's had with females that are supposedly outgrowths of uh, a very unhealthy relationship with a rejecting mother. Um, and certainly, you know, he did not have any stability in his relationships over the years. We we believe he was married, I, I think we counted four times, and some of yes. the marriages were uh, extremely brief. Later on, they were with significantly younger females. And, you know, an addiction issue. And um, uh, even uh, Patricia uh, Kennedy Lawford um, uh, had an addiction issue as well, and their son, Christopher, is, is very open about that. So, you know, certainly on, on both sides of his family, uh, there's some serious uh, addiction issues. And by the way, we are trying to get Christopher Lawford on the on the show with us to to talk about uh, not only this subject, but also he has a new book coming out. So if it can be timed right, uh, we'll certainly uh, have him on. Uh, James Spada states that still, despite tantalizing offers from the tab, tab, tabloids, Lawford kept his mouth shut about one thing, the part he played in the events surrounding 1962 death of Marilyn Monroe, uh, who he says carried on affairs with uh, Lawford's one-time brother-in-law, Jack and Bobby. It was Lawford who married into the Kennedy family in 1954, who introduced Jack Kennedy to Monroe. It was Lawford who cleaned up the actress's apartment after he killed herself to make sure nothing remained linked to the Kennedys as a result of a political disastrous scandal. Born in 1923 to an ambivalent mother, Lawford led a nomadic life as a child. Physically striking, he attracted sexual overturns from both adults of both sexes. By the time he was nine, his good looks got him parts in films in England. And later, after moving to Hollywood in 1941, he alternately, and that's when he was uh, you know, uh, had that uncaring and overpossessive mother, he signed with MGM and launched his American film career. 
Frank Sinatra, and this is kind of interesting. We'll get into this in just a little bit. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep that uh, for next segment, but I just find that very interesting. That uh, what do you think about James Spada's comments in terms of uh, Lawford? How about you, Mary Jane? Well, I. Uh, I, I know James. He's a very, very nice man, but I have to say I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, April and I were working together to pull up as much research on Lawford as we could. Okay. And the really almost shocking thing that we discovered is in the direct interviews that Peter Lawford gave, where it, it's you know direct quotes from him, his story did not change for 22 years. His story was consistent. Where you start getting into these things about, oh, he, he cleaned it up, or, oh, he was a pimp for the Kennedys, and, or that he arranged trysts, that's all from two of his ex-wives um, who don't really have the best credibility. And, Peter and stop, Lawford, stop, if you look at right his direct quotes... Oh, hey, Mary sorry. Jane, stop. No, no, no. I wanted you to stop right there because we have the actual what uh, I think it was Patricia uh, Gould or no, Deborah Gould that said this. So, uh, um, Matt, if you can cue that up, because this is a good time to d- dispute what you're saying. OK, so let's cue that up. He always wanted to meet the, quote, cheesecake figure, the sex goddess, Marilyn Monroe. It was one of his fantasies. And uh, could Peter arrange for that? All right, so you hear what she says that he always wanted to meet, uh, you know, uh, you know, J- referring to JFK, the cheesecake Marilyn Monroe. So keep going in terms of what you're talking about with her. Okay, Deborah Gould uh, married Peter Lawford after knowing him for three weeks. They were married for only two months. Um, she showed up talking about this uh, for Anthony Summers in his book Goddess, and that's where the majority of her statements come from that in that one uh, documentary she did. Um, Peter Lawford's last wife, Patricia Seaton Lawford, discredited everything that Deborah Gould said. Um, in fact, very adamantly and said there's this woman out trying to make money and, um, you know, everything she's saying is pure fantasy. Peter himself discredited everything Deborah Gould said. So if you look... Um, you know, I always say go back to the source. If you look to a lot of these things that it's claimed Peter said or did, it turns out a lot of it gets traced back to Deborah Gould, who, reminder, only married him for two months. <laughs> well, that's a that's a really interesting fact. And there's, again, you know, in, in the way that these things are positioned sometimes, you see, you know, that it's, uh, it's, it's positioned as it's fact. And that is somebody saying something. It's not fact. It's somebody who was married to him for a very short time. And it's not consistent. So you have the next wife saying completely something completely different, um, which is, is interesting. So, so um, Gary, let's, let's go over, if you guys know, um, you know, who uh, Peter Lawford, for those of you who do not know who he was married to, um, Patricia Kennedy Lawford was the first person that uh, Peter married back in 1954, and I believe they were married to 1966. Uh, and then it was Mary Rowan. Is that correct? Yes, I think he was married to Mary Rowan from about 71 to 75, and I really haven't heard any testimony from her um, on his relationship with, with Marilyn. I think the first person who speaks to the public is uh, Deborah Gould. And clearly, uh, Lawford uh, denied her claims on his deathbed 
and even I think he told the Los Angeles Times that he was willing to take a lie detector test. And then he passed. Probably, I think he passed before he was able to do that. Is that correct? I think I read that, that is, same article. Yeah, that is that is correct. And then and, Patricia Lawford um, Seaton, she published a book in 1988, which uh, pretty much follows the official version of, of Marilyn's death. She believes uh, that likely uh, Marilyn accidentally overdosed. And I remember her book getting into a lot of medical detail about how that could have um, happened. Yes, yes. So let's just go over just so for people know, because it gets a little complicated because there's a couple of Patricias. There's Patricia Kennedy from 1954 to 1966. There's Mary Rowan from 71 to 75. There's Deborah Gold, 76, 77, but they're only married for a couple of months. And Patricia Seaton, who we'll get into the last part of Peter Lawford's life later in the hour, uh, was only married to him for a brief time, too. And uh, so it becomes, uh, becomes a, a, a very big challenge um so so mary jane um in regards to peter uh and some of the things that we know about him uh you know they lived in a kind of a a a grandiose life on on the beach in santa monica can you tell us a little bit about that time in regards to the glamorous of hollywood and you know they had four kids and what their life was about back in the golden age of hollywood well, they seemed to be, at appearances, just the perfect, glamorous, swinging 60s couple. They jet-setted, they hung out with the Kennedys, they had this beautiful beach house um, where they would have parties with, you know, the glitterati of Hollywood, and it just seemed like a, you know, rollicking good time. But, you know, of course, behind closed doors, there's definitely a different picture, Um Patricia Kennedy Lawford eventually divorced him because of his um, affairs and his descent into drugs and alcohol. So it wasn't, you know, as, as nice as it seemed on the surface. Yeah, you know, and I think that there was a lot of parties, and I, I think Gary, in some one of the, the, if not several of the shows that we've done, you've talked about the fact that you know Marilyn, uh, you know, didn't always like to go over there in respect to uh, Patricia Lawford. Is, was it you that was saying it in one of the shows? Well, she was invited. We we know a handful of times in which we could we could document based upon what was written in the press and some of the receipts for her hair and her uh, makeup. Um, but but I think Marilyn was aware that Peter had extramarital affairs, and she is quoted in several early biographies. And I'm talking uh, shortly after her death. You know that that she refused uh, invitations because he was so open. Uh, about his affairs when his wife wasn't in town. And, and I think there's a quote that, you know, she didn't want to be associated with him because he might have, quote-unquote, you know, a couple of hookers uh, over there. So um, he he lived a rather audacious uh, lifestyle, and, and Marilyn seemed distanced from that. But she was very willing to accept invitations, uh, formal invitations, when his wife was there, um, uh, especially when uh, the, the Kennedy family was invited, and these were published in the in the press at the time. 
Yeah, you know, it's it's always so challenging going back 53 years and, and uh, you know, trying to get what are the facts and what is just hearsay. And this is the challenge of a show or anything that we're, you know, writing or talking about Maryland. So we have to take a quick break. We're talking about Peter Lawford, his connection to Marilyn Monroe. We'll add to that connection as we start talking about the Rat Pack and Frank Sinatra. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Goodnight Maryland Radio. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. News, opinion, your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787, 1-866-472-5787, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Goodnight Maryland Radio. Help us explore the mystery that is and was Marilyn Monroe. Call into our program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to MarilynLiveTalk at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Goodnight Maryland Radio. I'm Nina Bosky. The panel is with us, Mary Jane Gray, who is from Immortal Maryland, as well as Gary Vitaka Robles, Icon Life, Times, and Films of Marilyn Monroe, Volumes 1 and 2. Check it out. Also, uh, this week's Life Bites is you don't have to be great to start, but you have to start in order to be great. I think this is a great quote because so many of us use the excuse of why we can't do something or follow through on our ideas and projects instead of just getting out there and doing it. So it's important to remember that each success story starts with a single step. You know, last year I was looking into the Maryland, uh, Maryland Monroe case and getting the usual answer it will never happen. It's been attempted. You'll never reopen it. Well, guess what? 
In one year, we have such support and a wonderful team of experts in all the areas of knowledge from pathology, Dr. Michael Batten, who we just signed, Dr. Cyril Weck, along with uh, Law, ex-LAPD, ex-CIA, even the current LAPD is uh, knowing who we are and what we're doing. We have legal experts here in Los Angeles helping us behind the scenes at the minimum overturn the coroner findings from probable suicide to either accidental overdose or undetermined. And if there is something more malice, we'll uncover that too, because it's now part of history and we're getting the right support. A year ago, every door was being slammed, but today the door is opening and it's opening wide. It began with one single step and a passion and inspiration to get to the truth, the willingness to start. So if you have something in your life that you've been putting off or you have a real desire to do, start it. Do it now, one bite at a time. Imagine where you'll be one year from now when you start putting your plan into motion. You know, I know for myself, with starting this mission and with the help of you, the fans and the experts we have helping us, together we can turn this tragedy into transformation and it will be indeed a great time in history when we do. So with that being said, let's go back to the panel. Uh, Gary, you had a little bit more that we wanted to talk about as it relates to, um, you know, JFK and that last call that Peter Lawford uh, had received from Marilyn in which she says goodbye to the president. Talk to, a little, talk to us about that. Yes, that, that's really the only um, point of his story that wavers over the years. I'm, I'm looking at an L.A. Herald Examiner um, article that was uh, published the, in the days that Marilyn died, and it says that, that Lawford volunteered to the, to the police, so he came forward to say that he had contacted Marilyn at 7 p.m. to invite her to his dinner party that we've discussed in previous shows, and he mentions that, that Marilyn had called him earlier in the afternoon looking for his wife's phone number in Hyannisport. Now, we know that the previous weekend, she was with both of the Lawfords um, at Lake Tahoe at uh, uh, Sinatra's uh, Cal Naval Lodge listening to the concert that Dean Martin was putting on. And um, he tells the press in this, in this article that um, he, he had called her back at 7 o'clock thinking that she was lonely and that he wanted to invite her to this uh, event um, and that he quotes her, his quote is, she did sound sleepy. Um, I've talked to her several hundred times before, and she sounded no different. She was tired and planned to go to bed early. And so that was what he said officially until the early 70s. And, um, you know, his LAPD interview from October of 75 says that in that phone conversation, which, again, he says he initiated to Marilyn, that uh, Marilyn now said, say goodbye to Pat, say goodbye to Jack, say goodbye to yourself because you're a nice guy. This is where the um, tone of her last words seems to change. Yeah, and I think, you know, when you when you start to look at Peter and his unraveling as the years go on, um, I could only imagine what guilt somebody would have um, if indeed that conversation took place and you yourself didn't get in a car and go over there regardless of what people are telling you. Yeah, and you know, I think it's uh, either Ed Wilson or Earl Wilson who had published the book. Um, he had interviewed Lawford in 
you know, within a few years of Marilyn's death. And um, that version is a little bit different. That version has uh, Lawford. The party's very loud. There's other people talking. You know, phones were not cell phones back then. They were attached to um, uh, phones that were attached to the wall. And so uh, in that interview, Lawford says that, that he wasn't even hearing clearly what Marilyn was saying because the other revelers were, were quite loud, but that he felt that if he had just um, gone over there himself, he could have intervened and perhaps saved her life. Well, let me just say this. Let me just say this too, Gary, and we we have to really, you know, when people are in a party mode and they're drinking, right, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, all sense of of consciousness kind of goes out the window too. So we have to put that into place. He was a heavy drinker and we just don't know how uh, intoxicated he was at the time that he was also talking to Marilyn too. So that's that's a, a key point when somebody is trying to recollect uh, what exactly happened. Um, so let's get into, I want to make sure we get into the Rat Pack and uh, his connection with Frank Sinatra, because Frank Sinatra is connected to to Marilyn. Um, so Mary Jane, take us back to that time back in the Rat Pack uh, history when, uh, you know, Marilyn was connected to, to Frank Sinatra and Frank Sinatra connected to Peter Lawford. Um, well, Marilyn... I have accounts that she met Frank in 1954. Milton Green says that. Um, he was friends with Joe DiMaggio at the time until uh, after the Wrong Door Raid, which I think we talked about on a previous show. And it seems like she didn't have a ton of contact with him until we get into around 1961, 1960, right after her divorce from Arthur Miller. And at that time, she kind of reconnected with Frank and actually uh, stayed at his house when she moved back to Los Angeles prior to getting her uh, apartment set up. Um, There's rumors that they they briefly dated, um, but it seems more like they just had a, a very good friendship yeah, obviously getting yeah getting her uh, the dog. Um, also, I'm not sure if it's if it's true or not, but I know that the the uh, Frank Sinatra secretary lived under Heaney Drive. I'm not sure if Frank Sinatra owned that building, but he, certainly his secretary uh, lived in on Doheny Drive as well. Um, Gary, do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, that, well, actually, um, Marilyn had returned to that particular complex. She had lived there briefly in 1953 and returned in 61 um, in another unit, and she was close friends with Gloria Lovell, who was Sinatra's secretary. And uh, we do know that that she spent her last Thanksgiving of 1961 at Gloria Lovell's, and that's revealed through um, uh, other guests uh, who were present for that event, and she signed some Thanksgiving turkey-imprinted napkins for some of the guests at that event. According to James Spada, Lawford's friendship with another man he greatly admired, Frank Sinatra, was also damaged when JFK changed his mind about staying at the singer's home during a trip to California. Sinatra, who was installed, who installed a helicopter pad in anticipation of the president's arrival, blamed Lawford for that disappointment and shunned him ever after. Meryl, uh, Mary Jane? Oh, yeah, I've heard that story is... Um uh, Frank Sinatra was a Democrat and greatly supported the Kennedys, and I think to a degree he liked the prestige of being associated with them. In um, March 1962, uh, JFK was planning on coming out to California, and Frank Sinatra was all excited about it. He did thousands of dollars of renovations, including installing a helicopter pad. 
Um, and the story goes that Bobby said, you know, I don't think it's a good idea for you to stay with Frank, considering his mob connections, and I'm, you know, going after organized mm-hmm. crime. So apparently Peter was dispatched to give the message to Frank. Um, it was said that Frank was so angry he took a sledgehammer and smashed up the new helicopter pad. Okay, yeah, and, then and the, okay, sorry, did not we speak have to Peter anymore. Okay, sorry about that. We're we're close. I can't believe we're already coming to the hour close already. We have to finish up this week's at, this week's show on Peter Lawford. Uh, thanks, Mary Jane, uh, for giving us that little tidbit. I just want to point out that Lawford died in 1984 at age 61 of kidney failure. Initially, his ashes were entombed at the same cemetery as Marilyn Monroe, but the burial bills were never paid, and the mortuary threatened to evict the remains. Finally, Lawford's fourth wife scattered his ashes in the Pacific Ocean, the National Enquirer provided the boat in exchange for the scoop. Very sad ending to a very exuberant life and dynamic life, I'll say. We'll be back next Friday at 10 a.m. when we'll be talking about Dr. Greenson and, again, Frank Sinatra and what is that connection. Until next time, I'm Nina Bosky for Goodnight Maryland Radio. Remember, never stop dreaming. Peter Lawford would be very lucky to get fourth billing in the story of his own life if they made a movie of it because the first billing would go to John Kennedy, the second to Frank Sinatra, the third to Marilyn Monroe, and hopefully Peter would get fourth if his mother, May, didn't somehow screw that up for him. He took a lot of crap from a lot of people, and he shouldn't have because you respect the star. Peter, I love you. Thank you for joining us for today's show. Good Night Maryland Radio with Nina Bosky can be heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Be sure to tune in again next week.